Well, hey, welcome to Victory. We are in our series, Not Like the Movies. And today I'm coming to you via video with the sermon today. And we're wrapping up this series. We've been talking about how God's plan for our love life and for our relationships and for our marriages and our families is better than the movies. We've been talking about the scripture, Romans 12, verse two, where Paul says, don't copy the behavior of this world. Don't try to copy the culture of what you see in the movies, what you see on the reality TV shows that aren't really reality, but instead let God transform your life by changing the way you think. Then you will know the perfect will of God. So this week we're gonna talk about what the will of God is on how we handle offenses, how we handle conflict in our relationships. How many in this room have had some conflict before in your relationships? Yeah, you've gotten offended. There's been tension. There's been strife maybe at times, or maybe there's just been misunderstandings with your wife, with your husband, uh, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or someone that you love. See, the truth is in every relationship, there's always going to be that opportunity to get upset, to get offended. John Bevere calls it the bait of Satan. gonna catch me some fish today got my bait my hook now I just got to get the right swing here that was a beauty you see fishing is all about getting the right bait out there throwing it right where the fish are trying to find that school of fish that church of fish that married couple of fish, that family. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is so cheesy. What is he talking about? This is ridiculous. But listen, guys, Satan is not foolish. He has a strategy. He has bait that he wants to use to pull you away from God's plan for your life, for your relationships, your marriage. The enemy knows the right bait to try and pull you out of that church, to try and pull you away from those friends God's called you to be with, to try and pull you away from that marriage He's called you to be committed to. And He uses the bait of offense. We need to recognize that the devil is dangling that bait. He wants to get it right in front of your face. He wants to hook your mouth just like this and pull you away from that relationship. The devil knows there's power in relationships. The devil knows there's power when the church is united, when a married couple is united, when they're working together, when they're forgiving each other. The devil knows when a family gets united, they are unstoppable. They could put thousands to flight. In other words, they can do so much more for the kingdom of God when they're walking in mercy and forgiveness. So what does the devil try to do? He dangles the bait of offense. How can I get this family mad at each other? How can I get these church people angry with each other? How can I get this marriage split up and divided where the husband is angry at the wife or the wife is angry at the husband? And so he dangles that bait. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, maybe in this church, maybe at your workplace, trying to get you offended. They should have done something nicer. They should have talked to you nicer. They, they shouldn't have treated you like that. The devil loves to throw these feelings of offense to just get you bitter and angry. And ultimately, here's what he's doing. He's hooking you, man. He's pulling you away from God's purpose and plan. Don't take the bait. You know what God spoke to me about this whole series this month? that this is a challenge for us as a church. And for those that are watching, those that are attending today, I'm challenging you, 
Don't take the bait of Satan in your life. Don't take the bait of offense. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to get offended. It's not worth it to hold on to that bitterness, that resentment, that grudge. I'm telling you, life is way too short for you to waste it carrying offense and being pulled away by the bait of Satan. Hebrews tells us not to let the root of bitterness come in, not to let that bitterness take root in our lives. You know, a root is something that you don't see. It's beneath the surface. And and the root is going to produce the fruit. So if you have a root of joy, you're gonna have the fruit of joy in your life. If you have a root of peace, you're gonna have the fruit of peace in your life. But the root of bitterness is gonna produce that fruit of offense and anger and constantly on edge. See, if we're gonna have marriages and relationships that are better than the movies, we're gonna have to choose to live by a different set of rules than Hollywood. I wanna show you real quickly a testimony from someone in our church who had an opportunity to hold on to offense, but instead he chose the Jesus way. He chose something better than the movies. He chose God's will for this relationship and to walk in forgiveness. Check this testimony out. I'm Chad King. This is my wife, Stacy, and this is our story. I remember telling my friends that he was my distant crush because I just had a crush on him from afar, but I didn't, I had never met him. I didn't know him. I thought it was, it was crazy. And then we met August of 2010. I knew the first night that I met her in person um, that, that she was special and that, that I was drawn to her and more than just the outward beauty that I saw. It all happened pretty fast. I mean, we got engaged after only, was it nine months of dating? Yeah. Yeah, nine months of dating, we got engaged and and it felt great. We had peace about it. Everyone was on board. We were only engaged for six months and we were married the following November in 2011. Right coming back from the honeymoon, I I could tell like it wasn't gonna be as easy as I thought. There was a lot of offense, Um, even on our honeymoon, there was offense and wounds were very deep. And we didn't know how to come to each other and, and try to work through healing. It immediately was him versus me. We knew it wasn't good, but I think after trying a few times and it not going anywhere, we just kind of stopped trying and we became numb. And we started to be okay with how bad things were. Things were like that for a long time, I think. A couple years into our marriage, I was on, I was going for a run on Riverside. As I was running, God showed me a picture of my heart and I just saw a visual of this black heart just barely beating. And he showed me, I, I just can see it as clear as day when I was running. And he said, this is your heart towards Chad. And I know that he showed me that because he cares, but also because he wanted to wake me up and um, warn me it's about to die and it was it was my heart that was about to die and i knew that in the back of my mind but it didn't scare me enough because i was just so hurt and i had let offense from chad build up so high i remember um the first week of march last year i'll never forget that night her telling me that she was done with our relationship and that she didn't see anything in our marriage anymore and she didn't want anything to do with me and um, 
uh, I just pleaded with her, you know, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do this. I want to try. And we talked for about an hour and just me pleading, you know, hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Um, and she was just done and just said, I need my space. And we went our own separate ways. Initially, I did not know that there was somebody else. I just thought that, you know, she was so hurt that she didn't want anything to do with me. And I would say after a couple of weeks, I started to realize that, you know, something was going on and there was another person involved. And, and obviously that like really hurt me even more because then it wasn't me just trying to win Stacy back, but me trying to get this other person out of Stacy's life so that we can move on with our relationship. So like a lot of jealousy would set in, a lot of hatred, and she'd be out late at night and I'd wake up not knowing where she was at or who she was with or what she was doing. Like I was just, I was just desperate to, to pray for her. It was never because I wanted a life with this other person. I just wanted to escape the pain of our marriage because it was so painful. Thankfully, it was not a physical relationship. I thank God for that every day, but it was an emotional stronghold and it was something that I knew was wrong. I grew up as a Christian in the church believing divorce is not the answer, but I was so hurt and I felt like Chad um, kind of needed to be punished for how much he had hurt me. And this was my way of taking things into my own hands. I just remember praying to God and saying, God, I need you right now. And that was my prayer for a week is, God, I need you. I didn't know anything else to pray. I just said, God, I need you. And um, over time, I feel like he started to show me, you know, things that I needed to change and things that I could do to become a better husband. And I remember him speaking to me one night and saying, Chad, you can't change Stacy, but you can change you. And from that day for the next like month, I was so focused on what I could do to improve. I knew I needed to get to a place that when Stacy was ready, that I was ready to be a good husband. And so like, I just really dedicated myself that next month to just working on me. God was, you know, changing me. He was changing my heart and showing me what it looked like to have unconditional love and to truly love somebody when they weren't loving you back. So how do we start forgiving? I think the first step is to look inward first that maybe the reason why people are offending you and hurting your feelings is because there's something on the inside of your heart that hasn't been dealt with. Maybe there's been something that's been contaminating your relationships for a long time. I heard this story about a village in East Africa that had experienced an outbreak of this sickness, this disease that was killing people and they didn't know where this disease was coming from. So these scientists and doctors were sent in to go and look and investigate where was this sickness spreading from. Finally, they found out the water had been contaminated. This mountain river that had been flowing into their village where they were drinking from the water had been polluted. And the people that were drinking it were getting sick and it was spreading to others like a virus, killing people in the village. So they sent these people to trek up the mountain to find out where in the river had it been polluted. As they got to the top of the mountain, they didn't see anything. They were still confused. Where is this pollution coming from? So they got some divers to go diving deep down into the river to find the very front of that spring where the water was coming from. And when they saw down in the water, this is crazy. It was a mother pig and her little piglets. They had died and drowned in the river and they were right at the front of the spring and that was contaminating the water. As soon as the divers removed these dead pigs from the front of that spring, the water began to flow pure and clean again. I wonder if the reason why you've gotten so offended by so many people is that somewhere deep wedged down in your heart, something happened years ago 
that's affecting your relationships, that's affecting the way you filter how people are talking to you or what they're doing to you. See, if we're gonna deal with forgiveness, we've gotta deal inward first. It's not always about the perpetrator. It's not always about the person that's hurting you. Oftentimes there's something deep down inside we've gotta work on. David said in Psalm 139, search me, O God. See if there's anything inside me that's not glorifying to you and remove it from me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. David wanted to have a pure spring of water. In order to deal with forgiveness, in order to truly forgive people, we've gotta first deal with what's inside of us. How do we forgive? Number one, we deal with us first. Number two, we make a decision before the offense comes of how we're gonna respond. The Bible says we have the power to choose the decisions in our life, that the devil can't force us to choose to get bitter, right? People can't force you to choose to get angry. You have the choice. This is the beauty of being a child of God. We have the power of choice so we can choose right now before the offense comes that we're gonna have a response of love. We're gonna have a response of forgiveness. And I think the third thing is this, be the first to reconcile. Be the first to reconcile in relationships. Be the first to initiate the apology. You say, well, Paul, what if I'm not wrong? What if they're the ones that are wrong? Just be the first to go to them and say, hey, I would rather have a good relationship with you than act as if I'm entitled to be mad at you and angry at you and bitter at you. Life is too short to burn bridges because of stupid, silly offenses. Life is too short to hold on to your bitterness. So be the first, be the first to reach out. So practice with me right now, say, I'm sorry. Yeah, that sounded beautiful. <laughs> now say this with me, I forgive you. Come on, just practice it, just say it. I forgive you, yes. Oh, that sounds so good. Jesus was asked this question by Peter. How many times do I have to forgive? Seven times? And that was big for Peter to say seven because the law said you only had to forgive someone three times, three strikes and you're out. So Peter was basically doubling what the law says plus adding one. So he thought he was impressing Jesus. I mean, Jesus, seven times, is that, is that kind of the limit that I'm supposed to forgive someone? And Jesus says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. Peter might have been counting, trying to figure out what is that? 490 times? Okay, wait, that's a lot, but 490 times. And then I can, now Jesus wasn't trying to put a number on it. He was basically saying, Peter, there's no limit to forgiveness. There's no limit to how many times you should forgive someone. In fact, as often as you need forgiveness, you need to walk in forgiveness. And even when you don't need forgiveness, walk in forgiveness. Because the reality is when you choose not to forgive, you are cutting off the life supply that God's trying to bring to you. What's holding you back from forgiving that person who's hurt you? The devil loves to use lies to hold us back from walking in forgiveness. One of those lies is this. Well, I'm not gonna forgive him right now because time heals all things. Time will heal it. Do you realize what you're saying? Time is gonna heal a relationship? You're basically saying one of these days, the calendar is finally gonna fix my family. One of these days, my watch is finally gonna fix my marriage. Time can't fix what you won't face. You can't wait for the calendar to finally fix the problem in your family. You've gotta go and initiate restoration. A second lie the devil uses is, well, I can't forgive them because if I forgive them, 
they'll keep hurting me again and again. And this lie keeps people in the bondage and the prison of bitterness. I can't control how many times someone's gonna offend me, but I can control how many times I'm gonna choose to forgive. That's my decision. It's not the recipient's responsibility to make me happy or to make me a forgiving person or to make me someone who chooses to show mercy. It's not their job. My job is to choose. I'm gonna walk in forgiveness regardless of how many times they offend me. And I'm not gonna ask you right now to raise your hand if you've been offended multiple times by someone that you've forgiven because the reality is we all have. And the truth is we've also hurt people multiple times and needed their forgiveness. Here's another lie the devil uses, and that is, I can't forgive them if I can't forget what they did to me. But see, forgiveness doesn't erase the memory. Forgiveness helps us to look at the memory through a different perspective. If we can't forgive someone just because we can't forget the memory, man, we won't be forgiving people anywhere or anytime because the memories are always gonna be with us. But we have to choose that, you know what? I can't release maybe the memory of what happened. It's, it's always gonna be there, but I can release the poison that is causing me to look at that memory with bitterness. I'm gonna choose to forgive them so when I look at that memory, I can go, thank God that I didn't stay bitter about that, that he restored that relationship, that he restored my heart from that situation. I don't have to look back on it with a sense of poison or a chip on my shoulder, but I can truly say, I'm free from that memory. I am not held in captivity by it. So maybe you can relate to some of those myths of holding on to an offense, hoping for the calendar to fix it, trying to figure out how to forgive someone that you can't forget what they did to you. You can't forget those memories. I'll never forget this one time I had this fish. Man, I had caught this fish. I was fishing on this pond. I was with my friends and I could feel this was a whopper, a big old fish. I had hooked his mouth. He was swimming, he was fighting and going left and right. I start reeling it in, you know, I get my, my reeler going. I'm going, I'm fighting back and forth with this fish. And he broke the line. I can't imagine what that fish was thinking. Maybe that fish's name was Bobby. And maybe Bobby had some close friends that he was swimming with, Sally and Andrew and Jessica. And when Bobby got hooked, man, Bobby thought, this is it. I'm losing my life. I'm losing my family. I'm never going to be with my friends again. I know you're laughing, but the truth is, just imagine what the devil is like when he starts pulling you away from that marriage, pulling you away from that family. He's excited, man. He knows he's caught a good one. He knows that he's ripping apart a family. He's ripping apart a marriage. He's ripping apart a relationship that God has ordained. But I think about how that fish fought hard and said, no, I'm not, I'm not allowing this bait to take me away. I'm not allowing this bait to end my destiny. I'm gonna break the line. And that fish took off. Man, I was left without a hook. I was left with my little string there and that fish got away. And in the same way, spiritually, I believe that some of you might feel like you've been hooked. Maybe you feel like you've taken the bait. Maybe you're sitting in church right now and you think, Paul, I really feel like I'm, I'm sitting in bitterness. I'm sitting in anger. I'm sitting in offense. And I don't know how to let go of it. Today, by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can break the line. You can pull away from that. You can let it go. God can help you unhook and release from that bait of offense and bitterness. Just like you saw in the testimony of Chad and Stacy, offense has happened, hurt has happened, bitterness has happened. 
And he has two options. One, hold on to it, take the bait, live the rest of his life angry at Stacy, live the rest of his life frustrated and, and never allowing himself to forgive her. She could live the rest of her life angry at herself, angry at Chad, angry at what happened in their marriage, bitter for the rest of her life. Or they can choose to walk in forgiveness. And I want you to see the power of forgiveness, the power of prayer, the power of God at work in Chad and Stacy's story. Check it out. So I travel a lot for my company and there's this one weekend that I went to LA for the weekend and I was so angry at him before I left because he had reached out to my family. He had called my mom pleading with her to pray for us. I had found out that I think some of his family members knew and I didn't want anyone to know because it was my sin that I wanted to keep secret. Over the course of a few days, I don't know why or how, all of a sudden one night I just lost my fight. I, I knew it was a spiritual battle. I could feel the spiritual battle. I was so exhausted and I could just feel myself wearing down. I couldn't even pray. I didn't even have the strength to pray, but I just laid on my hotel room bed and I just cried and listened to worship music for the first time in months. And that day I could just feel my walls starting to break down. I knew that was the result of so many people praying for me, so many people reaching out to me. At the time I ignored them, I didn't want their prayers, I didn't want help. I wanted to be where I put myself. And honestly, it was the result of months of many, many people praying and Chad praying and Chad sinking the Lord that um, it finally broke, broke that down in me. When she came back from that trip, um, I just saw something different. I didn't know what it was, but it wasn't the same cold heart and the same cold shoulder that I had received for the last four months. Like she wasn't ready to run up and give me a hug and she wasn't ready to talk, but I knew there was something different. And so I just knew I had to keep praying and I knew I had to keep working on myself. Little by little, day after day, we just dipped our toes back in the water. We just started to live together again. Slowly we became more cordial and God was just working on my heart. And in July, we went to Dallas for um, the weekend when we had a power outage in uh, Tulsa due to this really big storm. That weekend, it was, it was fun. It was refreshing. We shopped, he golfed. I mean, we did what we wanted to do and it was easy. And it almost felt like we were dating again. And I'll never forget, I was laying in the hotel bed one night when he was asleep and I started to just kind of feel something. I honestly thought, oh my gosh, I think I have a tumor. Like I thought it was something bad. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, everything that I did this year, of course I deserve that. It was almost like the sin that I allowed into my life brought some horrible tumor in my stomach. I mean, I just was so sure of it. One of my friends made a suggestion, she said, have you taken a pregnancy test? And I said, no, trust me, there's no possible way that I am pregnant, thinking, you know, we haven't barely spoken for six months. There was not possible. And what she said just kind of stuck around in my head. And I figured, okay, I just need peace of mind. So I took a pregnancy test and I about fell over because it was positive. When I see that positive pregnancy test, like all of a sudden, everything that's happened the last four months like all of a sudden starts replaying in my mind. And I'm thinking, 
oh my gosh, this this isn't my kid. Like there's this other guy and although I trusted what she told me that it wasn't physical, like I'm having all these doubts in my mind and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like is this like what what do the steps ahead look like? What does the road look like in front of us? And um, I think I just had that shocked look on my face and she looks at me and she goes, are you excited? And I'm thinking, I'm shocked. Like, I'm not really sure what to think right now. He got really mad. Yeah, He got really mad for about five minutes. And it was such an awful moment. And I I realized I deserve to be questioned, but he doesn't deserve to wonder. I was so grateful to God that I could look him in the eye and say, I promise you, there's no other possibility but for this child to be yours. As angry as he was, thankfully he believed me and he listened to me. And that conversation after those five minutes when he realized, okay, yes, this is his child, um, it was a beautiful conversation. We're thinking, oh my gosh, we have four months to get our lives together, get our marriage together, get ready for a baby. and that night, Chad looked at me um, after I told him I was pregnant, and he, I'll never forget, it, he got tears in his eyes and he said, we have to get better, we have to make this work. We have to have a good marriage, not only for us, but for her. I think the reason I didn't know I was pregnant for six and a half months was, was because of what I went through. I, I truly believe that God concealed that from me. I didn't show, I had no symptoms, I had no clue I was pregnant. And it wasn't until, I truly believe, it wasn't until we made the choice and I made the choice that I wanted to stay with him, that we weren't gonna file for a divorce, that we were gonna be together, that God allowed me to notice this child inside of me. You know, everything we went through last year has made us stronger and it's just amazing that God gave us such a beautiful gift. Our marriage alone working was enough of a gift but the fact that God blessed us with her and opened our eyes and our hearts to each other has just been the coolest thing ever. I'm just so thankful for um, just God using this, this situation to turn our marriage around. Some of you are watching today and you're trying to figure out how am I gonna forgive my dad? How am I gonna forgive my son? How am I gonna forgive my wife? How am I gonna forgive my husband? Paul, I've been betrayed. I have been hurt. I am broken. I want to forgive. I hate the poison that's inside my heart, but I can't figure it out. And this is what we have that the movies don't have. This is the climax of the series, not like the movies. Here it is right here. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus Christ as our counselor, our helper, our comforter, our guide, to show that forgiveness that we need to show, to experience that forgiveness we need to experience. The Bible says that we can ask for God's help and he helps us. His Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, shows us what to say, shows us what to do. If you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do, today's the day to call on Jesus, to invite the Holy Spirit to help you in that relationship, to help you in restoring that relationship, to help you in what to do next, what to say next. I believe the power of God is present right now in the room that you're watching this in. He is with you right now and the Holy Spirit wants to help you in this moment 
to walk in mercy, to walk in forgiveness, to restore that relationship. So what if you made the decision today to invite God into the relationship, to invite the Holy Spirit to help you, to empower you? Maybe you need to forgive a spouse or forgive a family member. Right now, just say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, counsel me in this situation. Guide me in this situation. Jesus, help me to forgive this person who's offended me, who's hurt me. Lord, I just pray for every person that's watching right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them the help they need. Lord, I thank you that your word says, if we need help, all we have to do is ask. And you're a constant help in times of trouble. So Lord, I pray right now, those that are asking for your help, those marriages out there, those families out there, those singles out there, whoever it is, young or old, I pray God that you would help them. Help them in the relationships. Help them, God, in the decisions they need to make. Help them to forgive the person who's offended them. Lord, help them to walk free of bitterness. No more bitterness in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.